welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I am Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, <laughs> Act Two, what? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Act Two is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This podcast is just one of the things we do. Uh, so please remember to subscribe to the podcast because you get a nice notification whenever there's a new episode, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, ooh, a new episode of this pod. Oh, it's, I it's, did that. It's amazing. Can you imagine getting looking at your phone and seeing there's a new episode? Oh my God. I know, because then it'll be an interview that you're like, oh my God, I've been wanting to hear from this person for so long, and here it is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Tasha. Yeah. I just remembered this. Yeah. How do you feel about doing a final draft giveaway? Oh, I feel great about it. It's about time. Okay. All someone has to do is share this episode throw a little link on Twitter, drop a little shout out to us on Twitter, and just share the episode. Then if you want a Final Draft 12, uh, we're doing a giveaway. So that's all you have to do to get it. I love Final Draft. I do too, and they, and they should sponsor us. They should sponsor us, because we're not getting paid to say this, which is just a wasted breath at this point. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's just get into it. Now you've done it. What are we talking okay. about today? We're doing a big This Week in Writing. A lot of stuff we're covering. You better come in hot because I'm coming in hot. We have a lot to talk about. A lot of This Week's in Writing. This is things to talk about because when we, when we do interviews and when we do singular topics, which are amazing, we sometimes don't talk about all the things that have been building in our lives. We're like volcanoes ready to explode. So we need to get that information out. That's how it feels. I feel yeah. like every now and again, I'm in between, I'm like, oh, we should talk about this on the episode. This crazy thing happened with this producer or that Asian or whatever. And it's like, oh, we have an interview coming up. Damn. We have to wait two weeks. Yeah. So no, that's per- okay. I've got things. I've got things to talk about. Okay. So as many of you know, who have listened to this podcast extensively, I tell a story about a pitch that I did where it changed my life, my pitching life, at least. Mm which I guess ultimately changes your life. But the person on the other end of that pitch said to me, we love your story, but we don't think you're prepared to take on this project because we don't feel like you can handle all the personalities on this project. There's big name producers on this, big actors on this. It's just a lot of people you're going to have to please. And you seemed nervous when you were pitching. Mm -hmm. She didn't say this to me technically. She said this to my manager who conveyed it just to be transparent about the process. And this was years ago. It broke my heart. It changed my life. It changed how I pitched and how I presented myself. And then this week, my agents get a call from this same producer years later. It's like, hey, I just heard that Tasha is writing Tomb Raider over at Netflix. And they say that they love it. And this thing over here. And I've heard this thing about Tasha over here. And and like, how is she doing? I just wanted to tell you how, you know, really impressed we were with that pitch. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> this is all coming back around. And like this it's- person had changed my life. And now like, it's almost kind of, there's, 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 it's kind of like the end yeah. of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Go on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You start on this mission (laughs) to get revenge and to just kind of prove 
that you have what it takes and then you get like the sweetest possible ending to that which like in rogue nation he he gives the villain what he was what we was he was received what he was given yeah okay i messed that up but you get my no point. i get that point which by the way rogue nation was a controversial ending because it didn't end on such a high action note for anyone who sort of remembers, it was when Tom Cruise, it opened with him hanging on the airplane, which was like one of the most insane stunts. And then it ends with him trapping the bad guy like in a glass box. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's awesome. It's so awesome. And, and the reason that comp works is because the, the, the inciting incident is the villain trapped him in a glass box and then gassed him. And so at the end, Tom Cruise traps the villain in a glass box and gasses him. So... That, yeah. that's all that's all i mean was the executive just calling to compliment you five years later because they missed out or was there more to this that's how it was pitched to me from my agent but mm. i i am of the same question that you are which was like well is there something behind like do they want me to actually come in and rewrite the thing that they didn't give me all those years ago because now it's not working because that's even sweeter yeah it's the uh, note behind the note yeah <laughs> this is a note behind this call <laughs> There's no executive that's just calling to like compliment you no. without having some kind of ulterior motive. You, right? Yeah, of course. Well, it's Josh, just, yeah. I mean, you know this person. Just ask them. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Um, so I heard that you called Tasha's agent. <laughs> so so many people would be like, so wait, Tasha, you talked about this to who? <laughs> Super in private, right here on the podcast. <laughs> but that's great. That's great. I, I feel like that's a that's a big thing, a big victory in the in the pitching world, and it, it's it almost felt, a full circle moment. It was a full. It, that that's all I'm. It's a. It was a crazy full circle thing that I never thought would ever happen because uh, yeah. people aren't usually nice in this no, industry. No. It doesn't well. usually. When it comes back to you, it's not usually a nice thing that comes back to you. I feel like. Yeah. No. No. But I mean, before we move on, I would bet that there is more to this than just being nice. But that's just, that, not to take anything we'll see. away. We'll see what, how, where this goes. Yeah, we'll see. I have, I have something. Yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of a question for you, Tasha. It's, it's like a, a my, my this week in writing. Actually, I'm going to get to that one as my second one. Okay, my first build. one, I'm going to build the, the, the suspense. My first one is, I'm a kind of a stickler for time. If someone knows me, like I'm, I'm pretty much like, if someone's like, hey, be here at 8 o'clock, I'm there at like 7.40. Or yeah. if someone says, hey, we have, to, we have to be out of the door at 9 a.m., I'm out of the door at 9 a.m. And I have really grown to appreciate schedules as I get older. Like if I'm not working in a very defined schedule, then my day starts falling apart. Yeah. And I think it, yeah, I think you can relate to that. David H. Steinberg method, baby. Are you still doing the David H. Steinberg I am. It's right here. Jesus, what are you lifting? Yeah. It's not <laughs> you look like you're lifting bricks. Dude, oh, it's just a notebook. My, yeah. It keeps me so safe. So you're writing down your schedule? Yeah, every hour. I mean, like, chunk, like 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. You're working. 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Take a lunch. Wow. Okay. So I think I need to get more on that because this summer, this is my this, is my this week in writing, is that, as you might know, I have a child. Mm-hmm. And children really throw a monkey wrench into certain plans because like, you're like, hey, I'm going to work from this time to this time. And then all of a sudden that just gets blown up, completely blown up. So I've, I've been a little distracted this entire summer. Like my brain hasn't been 
fully there and it just really made me appreciate a schedule. And so mm. I've been really trying to stick to schedules. And this was more or less a reminder to everyone in the entire world to just stick to a schedule. But also I'm trying to tell myself not to freak out mm -hmm. because it's the summertime. We're in, we're in weird hours. Things are a little different. And, and, and that was kind of just, it was just a, it was more of a vent yeah. put it this week in writing. But I was wondering if you're, if you're still completely sticking to the, the Steinberg scheduling. I am, and I have found that the days that I that I don't, where I'm just like, I'm too busy, I'm just gonna plow through, and why, why do I need a schedule? Because I know that from when I wake up and when I go to sleep, I'm working, so it doesn't matter what my schedule is. I find that those yeah. are the days I'm most stressed, whereas when I, literally just writing it down, here's where lunch is, it calms me down, and it makes yeah. me feel not as overloaded because I think what it does mentally is it shifts you so that you're like, okay, I know that at 12 o'clock, I'm taking a break. I can see ahead of yeah. me. It's not just this huge block of time that you're working. It's like until 12. I can do until 12. It's like they tell you at the gym. It's like you can do, you know, anything for 15 more seconds. Just keep lifting, mm -hmm. right? Like that's kind of the feel that it that it is with with doing a schedule. But yeah, I mean, what's interesting is I've definitely, I mean, we heard it on our interview last week with Rashid, how he was saying that um, being a showrunner, like that opportunity could never have happened if he had, if his kids were younger. There's just like a time where it's, it becomes really hard where those, those writers who have young kids, I've heard anyways, that they talk a lot about scheduling as being their savior because I don't know if Amelia goes to summer school or anything like that, but if it's like my nanny doesn't get here till this time, then yeah. I know from this time to this time when the nanny is here, like that's my, my writing block and that's it. So like you become more focused is what people have said. And you write your schedule the, the night before, right? Or the week before? Either the night before or the morning of before I start working. There you go. That's it. Scheduling. So important. That was, that was my big takeaway is like, you need a schedule. Yeah. If you're a writer, I really firmly believe now more than ever, with all the distractions we have, you need a schedule. Yeah, I End totally agree. Totally agree. And if you don't know what we're talking about when we say the David H. Steinberg method, go back and listen to our interview last month or so, um, where we spoke yeah. to the writer slash showrunner. David H. Steinberg talks about highly scheduled lifestyle that he leads, and it was fantastic. Yeah. All right, so can I talk about imposter syndrome? I feel like for the millionth time, can I just talk about it again? I love this topic. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I had this document that I was getting notes on. Every time I would get a note, I could feel myself. My reaction was not, okay, this is a, this is a great note. This is great constructive criticism. Can't wait to address it. It was, oh my God, I'm a moron. Why didn't I think of that? Oh my God, that person thought of it and I didn't think of it. They're so much smarter than me and they're probably thinking I'm such a moron because I didn't think of it. And it was this whole conversation with myself about how I was worthless and stupid for not coming up with the note that I was being given. And it was a very strange thing because I don't always react that way. It just so happened yeah. I was reacting that way to this document, which could have been like just fatigue on my part or whatever. But it was interesting because it was like, well, why do I feel like getting a note makes me dumb because if we're in writer's group, I give plenty of notes to you guys. And at no point do I think you're dumb for not knowing the note that I'm about to give you. Like that's part of the writing process is you cannot see every single thing. You cannot be a hundred percent all the time. Spielberg gets notes, like everyone gets notes. And I, it was just, I had to sit back after the week of stressing out about this and feeling like I was gonna get fired or people were talking about me behind my back about how dumb I yeah. was. 
and just be like, no. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is not just to complain about it, but it's because I got really great advice from another writer where he said that what he does for this is he will write like a letter to himself where he like when he's in a right frame of mind where he tells himself in the future and future freak out per version of me, like these are the reasons why you shouldn't freak out. These are the reasons why you have it handled. And I was like, that's really interesting. Like me personally, I feel like if I wrote a letter to future Tasha when she's really anxious and feeling insecure, I would be like, past Tasha. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's so dumb. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> I should be freaking out. So I tried to think of what version of like a letter to my future self to calm myself down would be like. And I think it's just facts. It's like bullet points of like, you've done this, you've done this. Yeah. Or this person has said, quote unquote, this about your writing. Like just reminders that are facts that cannot be disputed when you're in that crazy imposter syndrome mind frame. So I haven't done yeah. it yet, but I'm going to. So I've actually recorded a video and I actually have it on my phone right now that I'll occasionally come back and, and, and look at. Really? Yeah. I told myself, because when I did it, it was in, I think, December of like 2018 uh -huh. or something like that, or 2019. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this at the end of each year and record a video to myself that I look back on. But my one recording is so perfect for me that I just keep, I'll look back at it every once in a while. That's amazing. Yeah, well, it came at a moment when I was just like fired up and pissed off about stuff. And I was walking to the Pikey, which was the coach and horses, which is now horses. And I was just like doing some thinking and I was just walking down Sunset, maybe meeting Dave Levinson. And yeah, I recorded a video to myself. <laughs> what is, fired up what is the, the log line of the video? I'm not telling you. It's too personal. I mean, was it like, was it like, yeah. you're so, you're so awesome, Josh. Like you can fucking handle this. You got anything handled. Look at the year that you just had. Like you fucking got this. Oh no. It was like, don't fuck around. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you have been doing. Okay. Uh, maybe a little, you've got this, but in my own way. Yeah. Right. Okay. In my, in my, it, I wasn't like complimenting myself at all. Right. Like patting myself <laughs> yeah, on the back. I can't imagine you doing that. No, no, no. I, I, you know, I operate with a chip on my shoulders, the best, best op place I come from, which is a whole other conversation. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, so when, can I ask when the idea was to do it once at the end of every year, was the intention, mm -hmm. what was the intention? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, it was because it was just really helpful. It was almost like this one, I want to say anchor that I would go back to and just be like, Hey, this is how I was feeling in this moment. This is the reminder of going into the new year. This is how I have to be feeling. Mm. And it, in that moment, when I recorded the video, I was so, I was feeling a very certain way. Like I was fired up. It was towards the end of the year. A couple things didn't pan out. So I, I was a little upset about certain things. And you know, towards the end of the year, you kind of reflect on yeah, always. the new year. And yeah, so I recorded a video. And the reason I bring this up is because writing something would be great, but I know I'm not going to read a note to myself. Right. I'm just going to skim over that shit. Right. Interesting. Like, I wrote this. I don't need to read this. I wrote it. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that idea a lot. You should pitch to yourself and then watch it again. Pitch <laughs> pitch how you're feeling and what you want to accomplish and everything else. Just write a script for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Problem is I don't like looking at myself. So that's probably <laughs> the first hurdle. <laughs> On. <laughs> Moving on. So, um, Tasha. Yeah. I've been waiting on an option. 
Yeah. This week in writing. And it's taken a really long time. It was supposed to arrive to me like two weeks ago. Yeah. How long is it? But what's the longest from like someone being like, we're going to send you an option agreement to when you actually got it? Oof. That's hard to say because it feels like a long time for a lot of different things. So in a month is easy. Mm-hmm. I, it usually happens to me in the counter stage. So like we've gotten the offer. Everyone's pretty excited to get that. And so that kind of comes in um, mostly because yeah. agents are like, where's the offer? Where's the offer? Where's the offer? So like they send the offer. And then when you counter, hearing something back from the counter can take months. So yeah. like that's usually when my waiting period is. But I wouldn't worry about two weeks. I would okay. get your, I mean, I would get your manager to continually and your agent continually check in with them so that they're yeah. so annoyed that they're like, here, fine. Yeah. I've been doing that. And I, and the, the person's been writing back and being like, yeah, business affairs is on it. Like it should be coming in. It should be coming. It hasn't been there. And so there's that just given everything that's involved in like the people, I don't think it'll fall apart. Yeah. But there's always that potential mm-hmm. and it's been freaking me out. And I'm trying not to stress out about it, but yeah. it has been in the back of my head a little bit here and there. And I can't wait until I talk about it. I can like, we can talk about this story in full once everything is signed off on. And I'm actually surprised you brought it up at all because I am too. Do you want to knock on wood? Yeah. <laughs> Got to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, no, it's going to yeah, be it, fine. It, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I do think it's going to be fine. I t- well, the, I guess the point of this story is, is like I've talked to producers, I've talked to my manager, and I've gotten emails that were all like, "Hey, we're everything's fine. It sh- it should be coming over." And mm-hmm. and so and so in the company's been busy, and this has been going on. This is, and there's always a yeah. legitimate excuse for for the person. However, I feel like as a writer, you still can't help but think to yourself, "Ah, oh, fuck." This is all going to fall apart. 100%. I feel like that I have a job right now and I feel like my job is going to fall apart. I don't think that goes away. (laughs) I'm in the final week of my job and I think it's going to fall apart. We're going to fire me and take all my money back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I don't don't think that'll happen. (laughs) But, but, But yeah, it's just been on my mind a lot and it's been stressing me out. I think this has been contributing because like the, my, my, my writing hasn't been flowing the mm-hmm. way it normally does. And I, oh, think, 100%. I think it's been on my mind. That's it. Yeah. I oh. mean, you got to let it go. You got to let it go because uh, uh, you can't control anything there. It's not, it's not on you. They're, just, they're on vacation. They're, they're busy doing another deal. They're lazy. They, I don't know. They're, they're sick. I, just, I mean, I'm scared. Should I not have brought this up? No, you're fine. Oh, God. It's amazing. You're going to be fine. Okay. I'm going to move on. Okay. I'm moving okay. on. You have to go now. Um, all right. So this week I had the opportunity to write a letter to a hero of mine, which I will never, ever say again because there's only one. And I feel like I don't have heroes. Like I wasn't that person. Tom Cruise. If it wasn't for his Scientology-ness, he might be a hero of mine. But that that, that cuts him out of the running. Okay. So it's... <laughs> Oh, I'm surprised you're talking about it. (laughs) Oh my God. Try to put good energy out. And I'm putting good energy out because I was talking to you about this. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like in this letter, because it's trying, it's a professional letter to like, like, please like be a part of this thing that I'm doing. And 
was like, I should just, I should just be professional, right? And just like picture what the thing is and that's it. And you were like, no, this is your shot, Tasha. Like, take your shot. And I was like, uh-huh. I'm going to take my shot. I'm going to do it. And so yeah. I moved, like I had a small paragraph at the end that was just like, by the way, like, yeah. I was a huge fan and all the all these things about how it like changed my life as a girl growing up and and how it made sort of my career possible today, I feel like, because it just inspired me to be able to write heroes like that. And I moved that paragraph up to become the first yeah. paragraph and I expanded it. <laughs> and I wouldn't have done that without you. And I think you regardless, yeah, I mean, that was really helpful advice because I think regardless, you're right. Like it's it's your one shot to make this person excited or to convey your passion for them being a part of your project. So like why bury the lead? And if she says no, at least I said my piece and I won't regret it. And so in the process of this, it goes to your reps and then your reps send it to her reps and then her reps send it to her. Yeah, basically. Yeah. The reason I'm asking is, did your reps read the letter and give notes on it? I didn't get notes. But it did feel <laughs> it did feel a little embarrassing that people read this oh. letter. Like a lot of people had to read this letter because they had to approve it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, my heart was sort of on the letter, and then yeah, everyone read it. But it's fine because it's I, it's just I was just being honest. You can't can't apologize yeah. for that, I guess. So no one told you to move that first paragraph. You know, no one me. did, and I was uh, really expecting okay. someone to say like, "Tasha, you should dial it back." It's a little much. No, no, no. You know, I always think about this because when we come from a place of passion and we we write things out, uh, whether it be a letter or even in writing or something like that, I think like 99% of the time people don't catch it and they're just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, cool. She's she's passionate about this or he's passionate about that. But it's not like, Hmm. that's the craziest thing about writing or anything in the entertainment industry. You just pour your soul out Yeah. and you're like look at, look at my pain. And someone's like, we're going to pass, um, but thanks. <laughs> well, let's do a general meeting. <laughs> like, oh, cool. I guess, I guess my parents got divorced for nothing. <laughs> That's the greatest pitch for what this business is that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, crying. Okay. Was, I just want you to keep going with uh, your, this is, this is your this week in writing. <laughs> Go, next one. So the next one is, we talk about pitching a lot. We have a whole series, Pitching is Terrible, where we talk about different aspects of pitching. But I have a This Week in Writing that is about pitching, and maybe I should have done a whole episode on it. I don't know. But I learned something, two things actually, this week about pitching. And I love that because we're always learning, and that's very exciting, but also very frustrating because I wish I had thought of (laughs) these things before. So this pitch, I'm pitching a season of television. And the television show has a lot of cutting back between multiple stories, much like Stranger Things. So Mm. the first draft of my pitch that I wrote for myself, my pitch script, followed the story as I had conceived it. And I would go from kind of one character story and then say, meanwhile, over here, like Josh is doing this. But that quickly became very unmanageable just in the process of pitching. Because if you imagine if I'm pitching Stranger Things season four, so minor spoiler alerts, I'll try to be super vague, but I would say like, so we open on Eleven and she's getting bullied at school and I would talk about how Eleven doesn't have her powers and how she misses Mike and writes these letters to him and she misses Hopper most of all, but she doesn't feel like she belongs here in California. Meanwhile, 
there's this cheerleader who starts hearing voices and to get rid of them she goes to a weed dealer at school and as she's selling drugs or has she's buying drugs from him this cheerleader gets horrifically killed meanwhile joyce over here is and like by the time i get to like by the time I get here, you've completely forgotten the story about Eleven that I've just pitched yeah. you. And now you're like, wait, is the cheerleader connected to this Joyce character connected to what, what's happening? And 100% of the time in that scenario, an exec will say afterwards, I'm sorry, I lost the thread. She's doing what now? So to combat this confusion of having all these multiple storylines, I kind of stepped away from trying to tell the story as we would experience it in the show, which is what I usually like to do in my pitches and which, which is what mm -hmm. we've talked about in all of our episodes. So what I did instead, instead of sticking to the, like the experience of the show, I took a step back and I told the exec exactly how I'm going to be pitching. So I was like, look, Oh, the story has a lot of characters. So what I'm going to do rather than kind of, go into it, how we would watch the show. I'm just going to kind of pitch you the main storyline of the show. And then we're going to go into mm -hmm. character arcs afterwards. And then I started with the main storyline and I did not pause to do character introductions. I didn't do character arcs. I just talked about the hero's main drive story through the season. So if this was Stranger Things, that equivalent would look like I'm pitching the story of what Dustin and Steve and Max are all doing, trying to figure out who Vecna is and to kill Vecna and to save their dungeon master friend. And it's just this super clean story that I can pitch very easily that executives will understand that my heroes are detectives investigating a murder outside of the law in order to protect their friend who has been wrongly accused. That's a very clean storyline. And in that storyline, I will, of course, talk about the emotions that are kind of pulling us through that, that Eddie gets wrongly accused. He's terrified. He goes on the run. Um, I will pitch how in the process, the boys learn that one of their friends is also being hunted by this supernatural creature. So now there's this urgency to save her life before she gets murdered. And they gradually unravel who Vecna is, etc. And then I will pitch like... And what I did in my pitch is I would pitch that like main storyline. And then I would say, now, while they're doing this, we're following another storyline at the same time during the season. And it's Mike, Will, and Jonathan. And they're doing, and I would do the same thing, but I would take them yeah. apart. I wouldn't be like, and then we cut here and then we cut here and then we cut here. I would just completely take them apart and tell them as their own individual stories. And then when I was done, I said, okay. I like paused for questions and said, if you have any questions about the story itself, let's talk about them now. Otherwise we'll go into the character arcs. And then we proceeded to go into the character arcs after answering stories. So wow. it was just an interesting reminder that you need to shift your pitch and the structure of your pitch in order to fit the story you are telling. And the kind of watchword for all of that is how do you make it as absolutely clean as possible to pitch? And if that requires you to change the structure of how you're pitching it, even though it's not the experience of the show, then I think you do that because that's just how pitching is. Uh, yeah, I really love that. I think something we've talked about before and what you're saying is setting someone's expectations is really important. And I think just asking or not asking, telling someone what you're going to do mm -hmm. puts people at ease. Like, oh, they have this. My point being is like you come in and you're just like, Hey, I got this and this is what I'm about to do. A hundred percent. It was a super good reminder that you can take a step back and just give them that 
50,000 foot view of your pitch before you get into the pitch. I always feel like I have to just like tell the story and it's a, it's a fireside story and that, and that's what it is. I want to bring you in, but you forget that like, this is, this is a job. (laughs) You are being asked to convey information in a clear way so that your information can be purchased by someone. So it was Mm -hmm. a good reminder where I did step back and I said, like, this is what I'm, this is how I'm going to pitch you. And um, what's interesting is in another pitch I did this week, the exec afterwards asked a question where he was like, so the, all the main characters that you just pitched us are all teenage girls. Um, he, he was like, mm. are there going to be any adults in this show at all? And I was like, yeah, actually, they, we definitely plan on having them, you know, have parents and teachers that they talk to. And of course, there will also be men and boys in this series as well. I just didn't include it in the pitch because I really wanted to stay as simple as possible and focused on the main co- characters. And he was like, that's great. I absolutely understand that. Just say that up front next time. And then yeah. I, I will be like, I'll be ready to not have that question anymore. So it was a really good reminder to just be up front with how you're structuring yeah. your pitch if if it feels necessary. This reminds me of, um, I think it was actually Dave Steinberg who said, we were talking about deadlines and, and Dave, or this might not have been him, but someone asked, said, just ask for an extension. Say, hey, I, I'm just working on this. Are you okay? Rather than me getting it to you this week, Friday, is ne- next week, Friday, okay? Mm-hmm. And just I feel like as writers, a lot of times we're afraid to do that. We're just yeah. afraid to ask these things because we want to come in and be like, boom, here it is. It's great. We we hit the deadline right on, the, you know, we hit the bullseye. We're this, do, 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 do. But I guess the point is just never be afraid to like do what you just did. Yeah. Because I think it's it's easier said than done, I think. Yeah. I totally agree with everything you just said. But you did it and you crushed it. It was great. That's almost, that sounds freeing, actually. <sighs> I do think it does exactly what you're saying, which I sort of didn't realize in the moment, but it gives you a certain amount of, it makes you sound confident and in power over the pitch you're mm-hmm. about to tell. Like you're in control of the information and by prefacing it that way, it makes it sound like you are. There's something that came up. Yeah. I'm moving on, by the way. Go. You're going to love this. I've been meaning to talk to you about this. Oh, oh go. Okay. I've been, I've been thinking about heist movies yeah yeah I, I recently watched oceans 13 i watched something else which of course is not in my brain right now but i was i was basically thinking about why heist moments work in movies mm. and something that i really like and something i think is really effective and oh i watched the bad guys it's a it's an animated mm-hmm, movie mm-hmm. that i watched with my daughter and something i really love so if you're writing a heist scene this is something to just kind of keep in mind is like i love seeing the preparation of a heist Meaning you, myself, and Dave are going to rob uh, horses. And we're like, okay, how do we get into the restaurant? There is a camera over in the corner. There is a door that's locked over here. There's a security guard. And then we would actually set up like in the apart, like our house, our apartment, wherever. We're setting up like what the inside of the restaurant looks like. So it's like a mock of what we're about to do. Mm -hmm. And it always, I love... When things, like, you see it laid out of how it should go perfectly. Mm-hmm. You're five steps to the left. You're eight steps to the right. Now you go in the front door. And then when it actually comes to the execution, it goes completely sideways. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the best tricks in heist where you're like, it's like going back to like a Mission Impossible. It's like, whatever you do, do not, you know, make a noise. Don't let the decibel level get above Yeah. 0.1. And then like 
Benji sneezes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck. But anyway, that was my thought. I was just, I was thinking of like, what's the most effective way to write a heist? Yeah. And to me, for me, it's always seeing it, how it should go, and then seeing it as it actually goes when it goes completely sideways. Yeah. I recently wrote a heist where I did not do that. Um, Great. <laughs> I tried to do the Ocean's Eleven method, which that method is a definitely a bit of setup of like, here's our target and here's what we're up against. But it's not as extensive as the planning you just described where they do a mock-up. They do that mm -hmm. concurrently with actually doing the heist, if that makes sense, right? Like once they're set yeah. in motion, you're kind of flashing back or flashing sideways to them setting up and doing it's It's not like we've set up and now the heist is going. And that's just because yeah. it's just brilliant structure, but they have the, the, the luxury of a whole movie to tell the singular heist. Um, but in this case, I was writing a heist that's just a small fragment of the movie. And I tried to write it that way and it wasn't working. And I was like, why isn't this working? It works at Ocean's Eleven and well, I'm just stupid and I can't do it. And then someone gave the note of like, well, why don't you front load it so we see what their plan is. And I was like, I don't want to do that because then that spoils it for everyone. And they're like, no, you do that. And then everything goes wrong in the second section. Totally. And that's the fun of it. And I was like, that's brilliant. Of course it is. That's exactly why you watch those. Yeah, that's. I completely agree with that. And I think that's the way to do it. You, you, you explain exactly what is supposed to happen, and then you just blow that up. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. That's all. Okay. So we should do an entire episode on heist, by the way. We need to. One more thing I'll say about heist. Yeah. Is like what you were just saying about how you can be like in the planning phase, and then you can jump to it actually happening. Mm -hmm. Like with heist, I feel like you can be so creative. Mm -hmm. There's no one specific way to do it. It's so clever. You can just, yeah, you can just be super clever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I'm on my last one. Okay. And a lot of these are about how I have failed. <laughs> so just to oh, preface that, this is another one of how I failed and learned a lesson. So there's this sequence in something I'm working on where I had flashbacks in it and... I wrote these flashbacks intentionally. I hate flashbacks. I'm not, I'm not an advocate for advocate for them, but I wrote them here because it felt important to for the audience to understand what was motivating this person to do the thing they were doing. And it was these flashbacks that were challenging her. That, and that's why she was driving forward because she was being challenged by these flashbacks. And then I saw a cut of it and it didn't work. I was like, why? It worked in the page. Like I was absolutely emotionally invested in this section. Why is it not working? And someone gave the note of, we'll cut out the flashbacks. And I was like, that's not the answer. <laughs> it's obviously <laughs> wrong. Let's find a version of the flashback that works. And we tried. It still didn't work. And I was like, let's keep trying this. And someone was like, let's just take a leap and just cut them out and see what happens. And they sent that to me without asking. <laughs> just they like ignored me wow. kind of and just like sent me the version with no visuals and i was like oh yeah yeah that works that works without it yeah it definitely works without it interesting why did it work it worked because i did the work before this moment to understand why this character was here and doing the things she was about to do that you really yeah. didn't need as heavy of a hand as I was giving it because yeah, because it had been yeah. set up properly. Yeah. I think I was just spoon feeding yeah. an audience. Maybe. No, I much. get that. Flashbacks are another thing 
that we should probably do another episode. We should do a full episode on. Yeah, no, that's the plan. Like, I feel like I should love flashbacks. Yeah, I really do. Like, I but I also try never. I try not to use flashbacks, and it's weird because it feels like flashbacks should work uh-huh. always. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, for me, if someone were to tell me, oh, and then there's a flashback, so we can see that you know, so and so's parents were kidnapped mm-hmm. you're like okay because it's like show don't tell yeah most of the time yeah but i think a flashback is telling them though actually i think that's the is that's it? the thing is you're you're oh, taking a moment right. to be like here's some exposition about why their, their parents were kidnapped versus i don't know like a d- different version of that where in the present yeah. they are reacting to seeing a father with a young child and like that's really disturbing them or it brings them to tears and you don't, you don't really know why. And that's really interesting. Um, that's a terrible version. I don't have it yet, but no, no, no. I, I know, you know, I know you, what you're, you're saying. You're doing it but... in the present and that that's the showing. But then don't you have to tell at some point, won't someone be like, Oh, the reason she's reacting like that is because her parents were it's kidnapped. Like, don't mention her mom. Her mom was kidnapped. Don't mention her mom. <laughs> Boom. You're like, well, wait a minute. I want to see that mom get kidnapped. How did they get kidnapped? Oh my God, it was crazy. <laughs> Someone parachuted in, kidnapped her, and flew back in the sky. You'd be like, what? <laughs> we don't want to see that story. <laughs> wait, wait, we're not seeing any of that? So it feels like, yeah, it feels like um, I should like flashbacks more than I do. And it's probably a case-by-case basis, to be honest. Yeah. I was I was working on something recently that was dealt with a couple, and the producers had asked me to show the couple because the movie started and the couple were all, the couple was at odds mm-hmm. already. The producer was like, we really want to see them like as a couple that's existing that where they like each yeah. other. And I was like, okay. And I said, well, you know, there's an area that I could do this with a flashback. And one of the producers was like, dude, I am so anti flashback. I was like, all right, that's fine. But it felt like it would have worked. Yeah. I think I talked to you about it, and you were like, no, 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 don't do a flashback. I was also very anti doing an opener where they're together because, again, that's the that's the equivalent of a flashback, in my opinion, because that's telling that's exactly how I the felt. audience. But one thing that you said that reminded me of what was the main issue with my thing as well, which I think would be the issue with yours, is that yours was like such an active movie it was is a movie that just constantly is moving forward if you then flash mm-hmm. back you're taking the momentum and the breath out of that story drive that you're just you have the audience already on and that was the same thing yeah. for my situation is it was a moment in the movie where like the character's moving forward 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 to flash back was like wait, where are we now? Wait, I was just so invested yeah. in that moving forward thing and now I'm over here. And that was another part of the issue. Yeah. I actually think that what you just said is I think really smart. I think about that often with um, how momentum in stories work because I, I tend to write things that kind of kind of go. Mm-hmm. Like they're, uh, they'll just be like, go, 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 go. It doesn't really make room for flashbacks. Yeah. And you're right. It just, when you have downtime, it's like, this just broke broke the the momentum mm-hmm, of something mm-hmm. but flashbacks it is the whole episode i mean i think the the move is. is to break down movies that have flashbacks that work and flashbacks that don't work oh my god totally i i don't know what it is but i feel like there's a, a heist it might maybe it's an oceans movie where it's like you do a flash like there's there's heist where it's 
you establish why people are friends with mm-hmm. each other. There's like a flashback scene. I can't remember. Never mind. Just well, heists are interesting because oftentimes the flashback, like, like the flashback is the climax of the movie, right? Like with Ocean's Eleven, yeah. you flash back to how they did everything yeah. in order to understand how they get out successfully. My mind right now is spinning. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I'm wondering if flashbacks only work when it comes to climaxes. Interesting. Oh, man. We're, yeah, we have to do an episode about this. Yeah, this will be interesting. Hmm. All right. Okay. Quote of the day. Freaking quote of the day. I think that you have to believe in your destiny, that you will succeed. You will meet a lot of rejection, and it is not always a straight path. There will be detours. So enjoy the view. Michael York. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I am Josh Hallman on Instagram, Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by Four and Four Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm-hmm.